Welcome to Wealth Made Simple with Shaz, where you'll learn how to master your money through business, property, and tax-saving strategies. Your host has collectively helped his clients make tens of millions of pounds in additional profits through these strategic approaches to business. Introducing Shaz Nawaz, an award-winning chartered accountant, property tax expert, entrepreneur, and property investor. This week on Wealth Made Simple, we're going to discuss lease option agreements. Interesting. Well, they themselves, I personally don't find them interesting, but there are some interesting factors about them. Um, and I think that the, recently in the King's speech, he discussed potential changes to lease option agreements, which we're going to cover um, cover on today, and it will probably take us down a number of different rabbit holes. Um, so with that in mind, what is a lease option agreement? Well, let's talk about what a lease is first. Okay, let's talk about what a lease is first. Okay, so in very simple terms, a lease is an arrangement between a lessor and a lessee where one party agrees to lease or rent a property from somebody who owns it for a particular period of time. Uh, so it's a bit like a short-hold tenancy uh, that a tenant has with a landlord, uh, but it's a longer term uh, and it's more sophisticated. So an AST is a couple to three pages long, depending on which form you use. Yeah. Uh, but as in, as in the form of the AST... A lease, uh, I've seen a 10-page lease, and I've seen a 150-page lease. So it's it's a lot covered in 150 pages. House. Yes, yeah. Uh, a lot. And then, I mean, those bigger ones usually are when you've got corporate clients uh, involved, like some of the really big businesses, because they want everything spelled out, laid out properly uh, to leave less room for misunderstanding and confusion. And, in, and generally, in, the, in a uh, lease agreement, you've got, obviously, the terms, who's paying what, when, how, how the whole thing works, the tenure, how long, it, how long it's going to be for, uh, break options, rent reviews, arbitration, uh, and lots more. So, so it, it takes a while to agree a lease because there's back and forth in terms of the lessor and the lessee, and both are usually represented by a solicitor. Uh, so it's a cumbersome exercise because uh, it always takes longer than it should do, in my view. Uh, and anything to do with property and and the legalities and the legal process just takes longer than it should do. Yeah, because usually what, you, what you're finding, and I'm not saying it's wrong, by the way, uh, but solicitors are... Uh, arguing over certain wording, uh, and both parties have a particular view on it. Uh, and sometimes you just, you, I've seen that you're there arguing over a clause, and it takes like two months. Yeah. It's back and forth, back and back and forth, back and forth. Uh, and could have just been dealt with very simply on a, a Zoom or Teams call or a face to face meeting. And at the end, usually that happens, by the way. <laughs> Why did we do this two months ago? Well, I mean, as an example, my the last property I bought, um, there was a conversation that was had between the solicitors 
and I say conversation, it was a little more than conversation, you understand, but yeah. it was about rights of access. And it went back and forth for about two and a half, three months. And in the end, the um, seller's solicitors came back to us and said, um, or my solicitors came, went back to the seller's solicitor and said, if you'd have done what I'd have asked you to begin with, and you complained you couldn't do it because it took too long, if you'd have just done it in the first instance, would have been done by now. Yeah. And their response was, oh, yeah, that's a very good point. Um, you're not backing down, are you? And was like, no, I'm protecting my client. That's their job. And, and that's my job. And they were like, okay, so so we'll agree that we'll do it your way. And it's like, why did it take three months for you to agree to do it that way? Crazy. It isn't. But yeah, in the, in the end, it was a phone call that solved it. It always does, doesn't it? <laughs> you, just think, you just think... Three months, three months back and forth. I'm paying for that, and one phone call sorted. Everything, any type of, let's call it conflict. Yep. Uh, where you've got two conflicting views, uh, anywhere from two parties not agreeing to, let's say, uh, the most serious one being war, where two countries are at war. Yeah. At the end, Kieran, they have to, in a roundabout way, through mediation, arbitration, call it what you like, sit down okay, and talk. And talk. Yeah. And think, well, why didn't you do that right at the start? Yeah. Yeah, so true. Yeah. But um, moving on then to a uh, lease agreement for tenants yep. uh, or an owner of a lease, basically, is where somebody has a property and they are selling the leasehold. So when you're buying property, you can buy the freehold and the leasehold. Yep. You buy the freehold, you actually own the property uh, and, and, and the... And the uh, land it's on. Yeah, and you're uh, the, usually the legal and beneficial owner. Uh, when you have a lease arrangement in place, uh, the freehold always belongs uh, to the person who owns it, okay? and the lessee has right over that property over a certain number of years. And usually, not always, you'll see it as 99 years, 125 years, or 999 years. They're the common yeah. ones that you see. Yeah. But there can be different periods, by the way. Uh, and then in that, you've got all the things that I, I talked about. Uh, but on top of that, you've got the ground rent being being paid, maintenance and service charges, rights and responsibilities, which obviously go into every single uh, lease uh, lease extensions, and if there can be a freehold purchase, because you, you, you mentioned the word leasehold uh, option. Uh, option, yeah. Uh, so you, it, it can be purchased. Uh, so th there's a lot that goes uh, in that particular type of document, and as you can appreciate, if it's uh, it, those are called long-term leases. Uh, so if it's something for 99 years, it needs to be detailed. Yeah, because, I mean, you don't want to get, you know, 25 years in, and pass it on to your children, for example, as part of their inheritance, and then realise that you didn't put in something you should have put in, or that you can't pass it on to your children because it's not part of the lease oh, you're agreement. Because you you sometimes sees a property on for sale, and it says leasehold, and it's got 50 years remaining. Whoever's buying it, they're listed, then you ask all those questions. Okay, yeah. uh, 
uh, on the lease. So it gets very complicated. And if you miss something out and they've picked it up and it can't be changed or the lessor isn't able to change it, uh, it's again a long, drawn-out process. With the word option in it, what that usually means is uh, the lessee has an opportunity to purchase the property at some point in the future. And generally speaking, how that works is somebody wants to buy your property and says, I can't afford to buy right now. Let's do a, a lease purchase option, uh, which basically is I'll lease it for, for five years. And in that period at any point, I can buy the property from you. So that gives them that particular security that they're taking over the property, they're looking after it, they're maintaining it, they might be renting it out to a third party tenant. Uh, but in that period, they can then buy that property, but they can't buy it right now because they haven't got the funding or something else is going on uh, where they can't do the transaction. And I mean, and that, that sort of option agreement is great for um, fledgling property investors because it means you can be using the cash flow from the rental to save up the deposit so that you can get start your uh, property investment business. Absolutely. And where you see this being used quite often, not always, is where somebody, let's say a person owns a property, let's call them a landlord, just keep it real simple. Uh, and they've not had much luck because they've had void periods of the previous person looking after it, hasn't really managed it well, and, and they're not very happy with it. So, and they, they want guaranteed rent. Uh, so, let's say you come along and say, I'll do a, a five year lease purchase option, I'll pay you a fixed rent every month, let's just say it's a thousand pounds and I'll pay you, I'll guarantee to pay you that over the next five years every single month uh, and then they turn it into an HMO yep. and rent it by room as opposed to by per property, so they're making a nice margin and let's say it's a four bedroom property uh, and so they've got four rooms at say 700 pounds. Sometimes people use the front room and the living room depending on the size but we'll keep it very simple four bedroom let's say it's got uh, four separate tenants uh, and they're charging let's say 400 pounds oh yeah yeah even that, uh, even as little as 400 pounds just, just keep it really simple so they're making 1600 pounds paying a thousand pounds they've got 600 pound margin usually the numbers can be a lot lot bigger, bigger I mean, depending on the area that they're in yeah and i mean you calculate that up over a period of Five years for the sake of the lease, you know, six hundred pound profit a month over five years is what seven thousand two hundred a year. Yep. You know, which is three thousand six hundred. Uh, sorry, thirty six thousand over five years. Yes. That's 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 your deposit right there. There you go. Suddenly, at the end of that five years, I mean, as soon as you've hit that I mean, you threshold, might have, uh, some of the costs involved. Yeah, yeah, obviously, you know, it's, 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 it's then, never that simple. Exactly, but the whole even if it's twenty five thousand left over, twenty thousand pound left over, and the margins aren't usually that, that tight. Yeah, uh, generally speaking, they are bigger. Uh, you've got a deposit, unless you obviously need that money personally to survive. So you might have three, four, five, six lease options. So if you've got cash, yeah, cash there flow for your own personal use plus savings and you can you can then work towards buying the property yeah or buying a property yeah so so that that that's kind of an overview of of leases and leasehold and freehold and the difference between the two and how you've got yeah 
pay different different amounts. I mean, in, in, in a lot of cases for a lot of flats, there are a lot of flats are leasehold in this country. Yeah, because what happens is somebody buys a property, let's say it's a commercial property, and uh, they convert it into 20 flats. Yep. Uh, and then they're saying, okay, now we need to do a title split. Well, you do a title split by creating leases. Yeah. And they, they then sell on those leases uh, to the people who want to occupy those properties, generally speaking. Uh, and then they've got a certain tenure, 99 years or whatever the period might be. Uh, and they can obviously, uh, the, that property pretty much is, is theirs for 99 years. Yep. And then you're back to renewal. And obviously those those terms would also be part of uh, the lease agreement. Where things get interesting uh, and have been, and there have been some changes to this, uh, is the ground rent and also uh, the maintenance and service charges. Yeah. Uh, because people were, some people were abusing those rules and the tenants were getting stung with high service charges or maintenance charges that they weren't expecting. And a lot, quite often what you find is uh, when there's that arrangement in place, people always don't read the detail and Devilers aren't fully the aware of the service charges and how they can fluctuate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, like I said, the devil is in the detail. It's, it's, it will have all been agreed to whether or not they intentionally agreed it or unintentionally agreed it. It's and you know those sorts of landlords do you know well you signed the do- you signed the document so I'm entitled to ground rent service charge yeah, etc etc et et somebody's built fifteen houses and let's say the road isn't adopted and we don't want to get too technical on this okay but it's a private road and therefore uh, all of the areas which aren't which don't form form part of each property right. Uh, is the responsibility of the freeholder, and the freeholder will be charging tenants for maintaining the road, okay, and any of the green space, uh, there's car parks, or a car park, looking after that, okay, there could be security cameras, there could be uh, certain additional lighting, all of those things add yeah. up, and so then you've got weeds to be maintained, and they just... Commu- communal gr- um, bins. Yeah, that's right. And then on top of that, they've got somebody who manages... That Love particular that. area, so there's a fee for them as well. Uh, so all that, that gets set up, divided by the number of occupants, and you're paying the funds, and then every year they have a meeting, but they go through those numbers and say, this is what you're paying. And then you've got some bigger expenditure, uh, so they have a sinking fund as well uh, for something major like the road needs to be fixed or tarmacked or re-tarmacked, that type yeah. of stuff. So they didn't have that in place. So it can get very, very costly. Yeah, yeah. I, and and we're not, like like say, there is that service charge that needs to be there because it can get, like you say, very, very costly. But sometimes it gets overcharged. And not, not, not in all cases, not in every case, but it's it's important to be aware that, you know, both both options of the spectrum exist. The management exist. cost usually is, is where it, it can varies. be quite extortionate. Not yeah. always, but it can be. Uh, and that's where people get upset. Yeah, because the cost is the cost. You know, you, you... And, I, and I think most people are generally decent people, and yeah, they exactly. they they can appreciate that. You know, if you want 
a nice road to drive down into. If you want, you know, your parking space kept free of weeds, you want, you know, there to be lighting, there to be security. There is a cost involved in that intrinsically. And I, I mean, um, and if there's kind of fly tipping taking place and there's uh, overgrown shrubs and weeds and that kind of stuff, that annoys people. So they want it cleaned now. more regularly, now yeah. and more regularly. Well, you're going to have to pay for it. Yeah. And, and I think I think most people... you can't ask the council to come and do it because this is a private road and a private area. So you've got to fund it uh, as opposed to the council sending out their people to tidy up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so that's a brief overview of, of um, lease options and leasehold. Uh, so now, now we're going to get into the proposed potential changes that might be coming. And I know I've been very ambiguous there, but none of this is law. None of this has changed yet. These are just um, the notes that came out of the King's speech from the 7th of November about about all of this um so you'll you'll forgive me if if i read it fr- from from the sheet because i want to get it right and i don't want to misinform yeah, anyone fine. um so and are you going to do it in the voice of the king i am absolutely not i would not insult him in that way mm-hmm. um but with the whole purpose of all of these changes is to look at fairness within the housing market and making sure that everyone gets the right the right treatment for what they're doing and addressing those punitive yeah charges yeah so the changes are aiming at improving home ownership for the millions of leaseholders in england and wales making it easier for leaseholders to extend their lease or buy their freehold and take management of their building they make it sound so good don't they i know they 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 there's a, lot, there's a lot there's a lot yeah there's a lot of complexity in there um this is building on the grounds rent act from 2022 um which is what i was talking about earlier in terms of there's been changes yeah 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 which put um what that did was it put an end to ground rents for new and long residential leasehold properties so you weren't adding a markup on the markup on the markup but and also uh what used to happen was people used to sell on those ground fees and there were companies out there who would pay you 10, 15, 20. I think the, high, the, the highest uh, multiplier I saw was 35. So wow. If, you, if you've got, let's say, you're charging £500 uh, ground rent per property and you've got 20 properties, £500 per property, okay? And 20, you've got £10,000 times 35 you're making a lot of money. You're making three hundred fifty thousand pounds when you sell that on. Yeah. Now, not in all cases was it thirty-five, but it could no. be ten, fifteen, okay, twenty. But, but even so, and even if it's ten, ten on ten thousand is a hundred grand. Yeah. Still a lot so of money. They had to address that because yeah, uh, people just couldn't afford to make those payments. No, and yeah, absolutely, and that—that's kind of half the problem in the first place. Was was and there were so many complaints as well that you know we were paying and. We don't get the service we need, and you know, you, you would have called somebody out, and it takes them a week to respond to you, and three weeks to fix it. And these are the things I was hearing from people. Uh, I, I've never had that particular arrangement in place. I've just never believed in it. Yeah, I've always thought it's more hassle than it's worth. But I know people uh, who were doing quite well out of it. Uh, yeah, 
just from the conversations that you have from people, and this is how we set this arrangement up. And I don't think any of them were doing anything untoward, by the way. No, no, just a particular arrangement. But as you know, it's only a handful who usually abuse the rules and make, and it, and make bad it worse for, for everybody else. And so people think, oh, you, this guy or girl or person is charging ground rent. There must be that horrible monster that I read about in the newspaper. Yeah. Or heard about on TV or a podcast or radio or wherever. Yeah. And then, like you say, a lot of the time, that's simply not the case. It's just, you know, the minority few. It is. I mean, you know, and I, I think it's like, let's just talk about two different uh, businesses. First one, estate agents. Generally speaking, in the past, I've had, had a bad rep. Yes. Yet all these things I've acted for and worked with Kieran, uh, I can say wholeheartedly, uh, I have been some of the most ethical people I've come across. Yeah? Yeah. I, I and I'm not saying that they're all good, by the way, because but, but they're not all good in any industry. No, no. no Secondly, no. landlords. Okay. Landlords get a real bad rap. And yet, yeah, as they're you know, we work with a lot of landlords. Right? And I'm yet to come across one uh, who, who we've acted for, uh, who's looking to cut corners. Yeah. Never. They always want to do a good job and uh, to a good spec. Uh, and they want to do right the by the tenants. Yeah, absolutely. But if you kind of ask people out there, especially some who may not have experience with landlords, the, their perception is based on what they've read. Uh, and those horror stories are based on a small percentage of the marketplace. Yeah, no, no, it's always the way, though, isn't it? In any average industry. Yeah. yeah. Um, so one of the things that was discussed in, in the speech was the empowerment of leaseholders. Um, and so the idea being that they're going to potentially increase the standard lease extension term from 90 to 990 years. This is for both flats and houses um, with ground rent reduced to nothing. Uh, this will ensure that leaseholders can enjoy long-term safeness, security without the hassle or the expense of extending leases. Because that's, that's another thing is mm-hmm. the extent of uh, ext- extending a lease. And the if, government think that's going to fix the problem. Wow. Aren't they in for a surprise? Um, it will... Um, they're looking at removing the requirement for new leaseholders to have owned their house or flat for two years before they can benefit from these changes. Mm-hmm. So that means that leaseholders can exercise their right to the security of freehold ownership or a 990-year lease. They're sticking um, plastered onto a bigger problem. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Um, and increasing the 25% non-residential limit, preventing leaseholders in buildings with a mixture of homes and other uses such as shops and offices and you know, mixed-use properties from buying their freehold or taking over the management of their building um, to allow leaseholders in buildings with up to 50% non-residential floor space to buy their freehold or use its management. So I guess what, what you know, that was that sounded very wordsy for what it is and what that boils down to is if I rent a flat or lease a flat above a block of shops and the shops take over more than 50% of the space, as it stands right now, it's the freehold owner that deals with the management, that deals with, and I have no right to dispute that or argue it or change it. Whereas this proposal says that doesn't matter that I've got less than 50% of the overall land space, I get a say in how the gr- the grounds are managed. Yeah, because usually they, they have they set up a 
management committee yep. and some of uh, the lessees form part of that management management committee. Yeah. Um, so, so following on from that, uh, making or making or selling a leasehold property quicker and easier by setting a maximum time and fee for the provision of information required to make a sale, such as building insurances, financial records available to the leaseholder by their freeholder, or you know, in a lot of cases, the landlord. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just it just makes the, that transparency of information. A lot easier to get That's hold of. So, thing. yeah, and that for me is only a good thing. Yeah, um, I don't see that being a bad thing. Um, and you know, transparency over the service charges. The service charges we were discussing earlier. It cost me this much to maintain the the parking spaces. This much for the lights. This much for the CCTV. This much for. So it's it's asking landlords and freeholders to be transparent with. What it is they're telling their tenants, their leaseholders. Yeah, those common areas. Those common areas, and and how much they actually cost, so that the leaseholders know they're getting a fair deal. Um, and you know, there's replacement of buildings insurance commissions for managing agents, landlords, and freeholders with transparent administration fees, stopping leaseholders from being charged exorbitant commissions on top of their already high premiums. Yeah, which will be really, really good for the clarity of so people understand what they're paying. Extended access to redress schemes for leaseholders to challenge poor practice. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that could only be a good thing. Yeah, it stops people from taking advantage of others, in my opinion. Yeah, if you see poor, poor practice or things that need to change, you can challenge it. And I think across the board, that can only be a good thing. Yeah, you know, we'll we'll see how that how that um, how that comes into effect, and the scrapping the presumption for leaseholders to pay their freeholders' legal costs when challenging this poor practice. So currently, the way it works is if I'm your if I if I'm the leaseholder and you're the freeholder, and I and I say you're challenging me, you're you're charging me over the odds. And you say no, and it ends up going to court. I've got to pay your court fees as it stands now. Mm, yes, right. And they're talking about getting rid of that. Well, the legal fees, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the, the the legal side of it. Um, and granting freehold homeowners on private and mixed tenure estates the same rights of redress as leaseholders. So by extending the equivalent rights to transparency over their estate charges, access to support via the redress schemes and the challenge charges, um, should any issues arise. Uh, And building on the legislation brought forward by the Building Safety Act of 2022, ensuring freeholders and developers are unable to escape their liabilities to fund building remediation work, protecting leaseholders by extending the measures in the Building Safety Act 2022 to ensure it operates as intended. Hey, that that's just a fancy way of saying, you know, we're going to look after you and we're going to make sure things are right. You're going to get what you pay for. Rightly so. And yeah, and rightly so. I, I don't don't see that being a bad thing at all. Um, under the proposed reforms is the banning the creation of new leasehold houses. 
Um, so that other than in exceptional circumstances, every new house in England and Wales will be freehold from the outset. You won't be able to have a – there won't be any leasehold houses, which I can see as a double-edged sword personally. I think if I can afford to buy the house but it's an investment property for me and somebody can't afford to buy it but they can afford to lease it, it's – you know. Um, and we can come yeah. to come to some agreement. It swings and roundabouts. I, I understand what the potential ideal is and what it's trying to achieve. But like you said earlier, Band-Aid over a bigger problem. Um, I, I'm not sure how that's going to play out, but we'll wait and see. Usually most of these things don't work here. That's what experience shows. Yeah. Uh, and it creates a bigger problem. The law of unintended consequences. Yeah. Yeah. You start... You start well... The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yep. That, that, is, that is how the phrase goes. Um, so the Building Safety Act has delivered far-reaching protections for leaseholders against remediation costs and ambition and an ambitious enforcement regime to hold freeloaders and developers to account. Freeloaders? Freeloaders. I mean freeholders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some might say that was a Freudian slip. Um, no comment. <laughs> so this is from a statistic on the government website. Um, there are 752,000 households with children and 1.48 million over 65s who are leasehold homeowners. Big number. So, you know, that is a huge number. You, you add them together, you get, you know, just over 2 million people. Million, yeah. Uh, or two and a half million, I think. Well, I'll rec- I'll rec- I'll rec- just I'll rec- appro- approaching. Yeah. Um. So, and this this is is this next point is leading straight into what I was just saying about, you know, if I can afford to buy, but at least potentially leaseholder cannot. Um, the aim is to reform the housing market. Forty nine percent of leaseholders are first time buyers, um, because they can't afford to purchase. Um, freehold straight straight off the bat, and twenty eight percent of leaseholders are under thirty five. The land registry data says that twenty two percent of residential property transactions in twenty nineteen were leasehold. That's around two hundred and thirty eight thousand transactions in total across across the country, mm-hmm. um, and almost all flats are sold on a leasehold basis in the in the, in this in in general um which i think we touched on a bit earlier about how it affects differently for renting out a house or leasing out a house versus um flats so that's that that's that's all on that page like like i said earlier i, I am going from the notes because i want to get this right i don't know it's important, I don't, yeah. don't don't want to Make a mock up of these. Um, so the idea is to make it significantly cheaper for leaseholders to extend their leases. So a first time buyer in a two hundred and fifty thousand pound leasehold flat with a seventy six years left on their lease would currently have to pay around sixteen thousand pounds to extend the lease, plus around ten thousand pounds to cover their costs and the freeholders' costs. It's crippling, isn't it? Yeah. You know, if you couldn't afford to buy a freehold, 
what, what, what makes anyone think you've got £26,000 spare to extend a lease? If I had £26,000 to spare, you'd use it to to buy I'd use it as a deposit to buy freehold. Mm. Um, so it's just not, it's just not sustainable. It's not, it's not acceptable in a lot of cases because it's just so difficult. Um, under the new proposal, it'll, they'll only pay around £9,000 plus their own legal costs for a 990-year extension. Hmm. I mean, that's a significant saving from 26 grand down to nine plus their legal fees, which I think can only be a good thing. Um, the thriving private rented sector is a vital part of the housing market, and I think the government agrees with that. Um, and this will provide flexibility for those who want, want it and a secure stepping stone towards home ownership for renters who are leasing rather than just purely renting to, to get onto the housing ladder in, in the event. Um, and I mean, I think everyone should be able to get themselves into a position where they can own their own home. So up until now, there's nothing from the government about why they've missed the target of building new homes year on year. Yeah. And, and yeah. That's the problem. It is, it is. And, and also the cost of, yeah, the cost of living crisis, the, the inflationary increases, the interest rate increases, all of these things have a direct impact on housing. And, you know, landlords get labeled, you know, as we discussed earlier, as, you know, money grabbing, evil, blah, 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 blah. Really? It's always the landlord's problem. It's always the landlord's problem. But fundamentally, we live in a capitalist society. Whether you like it or not, that's the reality. And as a business owner, because that's what being a landlord is, it's a business. Don't, you know, it's just like owning a shop. Don't think of it any differently. Mm-hmm. And I challenge anyone to prove me wrong on this. But if... It costs me more money to get a loaf of bread to my shop. The cost of bread is going to go up. We've seen that. See, when Section 24 was introduced, uh, I was saying this means an increase in rent. Of course it does. And other punitive measures have been introduced, including the 3% SDLT uh, on second or additional Additional homes. homes, Um, What do you think is happening to the cost? It's being passed on, and you've seen rents increase over the last 10 years since the then-Chancellor in 2014-2015, George Osborne, started changing the rules. Yep. Uh, I think it was 2013, in fact, uh, when he kind of introduced the, the first kind of change. Uh, and it's, it makes the whole thing unaffordable now, doesn't it, for a lot of people? Yeah. And they can't afford to pay their rent. And I, landlords get blamed for it. It's not the landlord, it's the government. Yeah, it absolutely let's is. Let, let, let's be very, very clear yeah, on that. Them, yeah. They've forced this Black. into the marketplace, whether it's intended, unintended, don't want to go into that. But it's, they've created this situation, okay, and then you take responsibility for it. And they need yeah. to build more homes, and they need to build more 
council owned homes. A more affordable homes. Yeah, and that most, but they use that word a lot, Kieran. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but what's affordable? What's affordable? Yeah. yeah. Defi- define an affordable home for me, because it, yeah, the average UK income is between twenty-five and thirty thousand pound a year. That's two thousand pound a month, give or take. Two thousand pound a month. Okay, so I need to save a deposit out of that. How much is the deposit? Average deposit twenty-five thousand pound. Yeah, with fees and all the rest of it. So if I save five hundred pound a month, I mean, I'm doing well. It's good. Yeah, <laughs> I'm doing, doing very, well. very well. Yeah, but not the current client anyway. But, but yeah, but if I save five hundred pound a month, means I'm saving six it's grand a year. It takes six years. Take me six years to get a deposit for a house. Mm-hmm. Okay, now let's now let's bring it back down to earth and be more realistic here. Your rent is probably eight hundred pound. If you're lucky. Nine hundred pounds in a lot of places. I know um, one of my friends rents, um, and their rents just been put up to one thousand two hundred pound a month, and they live in a two bedroom flat in Peterborough. A lot, isn't it? Twelve hundred pound a month. Now we've just established, you know, the average the average income at two grand. So okay, twelve hundred. Call it a thousand pound of that. Call it half of it has gone on rent. I think it was interesting though, uh, just to deviate a little bit. Uh, so I'm doing what you normally do. Uh, and uh, No shares, come back from the rabbit hole. Come back from the rabbit hole. <laughs> I can see you up there, Kieran. Come down. Uh, but the landlord in that particular situation, on that £1,200, is probably making £2,200 a month, if that. Oh, if that. If that. Yeah. Okay. So they're not any better off. No, no. And and this, how do like, I know? Because so, we act for loads of them. Yeah, and you know the landlord personally for this this particular one. Mm-hmm. Um, very large. You were there this morning. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't have a choice. The, you know, the the cost of the government get passed to the landlord gets passed to the end user. Yeah, that's the way it always works. That that's that's commercial, mm-hmm. right right through and through. But call it a thousand pound rent. Okay, thousand pound rent. That's half your wages. Gas, electricity, water. In this in this economy, you're currently looking at you know at least a hundred pound each, maybe even more, depending on how many people are in your family. But we'll call it a hundred pound each, just you know because it's easy. So that's another three hundred pound. Okay. Car, fuel, food, food. So suddenly Clothing. that that thousand pound has become phone bills. Who can afford, who can afford to save five hundred pound to get a house in six years? Because tell you one thing for nothing, prices only go up; they rarely come down. So, even if you're saving three hundred pound a month, let let's say you live a really frugal life and you manage to save out your two two thousand pound, you've got zero debt, you've got zero. Yeah, you're paying your rent, you're paying your bills, you're covering your food and covering your fuel, and you work close to home, so you can walk to work a lot. Ten years is what it'll take you. Ten years, and by that time, the prices have increased. You'll so need, you need to double deposit. Yeah, you'll need prices will have doubled. But you see what I mean? So, and this is why these measures, some, these uh, basically this dash of travel on this particular measure is helpful in some ways, uh, but it doesn't go okay far enough. 
to fix the real underlying problem, which well, is more housing. That, 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 that's, that's the problem, isn't it? Fundamentally, rather than looking at the, the symptoms, you need to look at the cause. You know, if, if, if I'm you know, ill, I don't expect a, you know, a doctor to just address, oh, oh you've, got, you've got a bit of lesion on your skin. We'll give you a cream for that. Okay, but what's causing it? Oh, that might need some some pills. That might need some surgery, or that might need something else. But to just give me a topical cream because that's all the thing you can see, you you need to understand the root cause. And I, th- I think that's something that is sometimes missed, or I say sometimes, a lot of the time missed. Um, so, <laughs> but that that's that's uh, so as part of the government's long term plan. This this reform, potential reform, is to support 11 million private tenants and two and a half million landlords. That, that's that's that that's the goal is to support all those people. Um, they aim to abolish no fault evictions, increasing attendance security, um, but that won't will not com, commit. But they won't commence the ab- abolition of Section 21 until stronger possession possession grounds and a new court process is in place. Mm-hmm. Um, on evictions, yeah. On evictions, yeah. Um, but they also, on the, on the flip side of that same thing, they want to strengthen the grounds for possession by landlords, adding new mandatory grounds for possession if landlords wish to sell the property or for repeat serious rent arrears, as well as expanded grounds for when close family members wish to move into the to, to, to a property or if a tenant breaches their tenancy agreement or damages the property, landlords will potentially be able to start evicting people in as little as two weeks. So, you know, double-edged sword there, more security for tenants for no reason evictions. Mm-hmm. So you can't just, you know, Section 21 someone. But at the same time, if you are in rent arrears, serious difficulty or, you know, causing a problem, it makes it easier for landlords to get out, get people out. Um, tenants who are persistently disruptive um, f- for antisocial tenants. Um, the bill seeks to halve, halve the delay between landlord serving notice for antisocial mm-hmm. behavior and eviction. I think that's a good thing. I, I think, you know, if you break the law, if you're antisocial, if, you know, then, you know, and when I say antisocial, I mean antisocial from a law perspective, not from a I don't like people's perspective. Because yeah, you know, there are some days I know I can be antisocial. I don't like people. Yeah, but this causes a huge problem for landlords uh, or the owners because let's use using the earlier example where someone's got ten properties and one person's causing a problem. The other nine are going to that to the, 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 the freeholder and saying this person's problematic. Yeah, can't sleep at night. Don't feel safe, feel threatened, right? aggressive behavior. Our children don't feel safe, so on and so forth. So they've got to do something about it. Otherwise, those nine are going to get very, very, very upset very, very, very quickly. And yes. The, the landlord to do something ASAP. So this will help with that. Help move things along. And also... In the right situation. Yeah. In, in, in that exact scenario, you, you don't want it to, 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 to take too long because... You know, if I complain about you because you're a menace to to, to, to the area, you know me well now, <laughs> all too well. 
But there is a danger that when I serve, when I as the landlord now serve notice on you, and legally I have to tell you why I'm serving notice on you, you then know that there are people around here that have complained about you. So now you start taking it out on them. And under current rulings, you can be there for a long time exacting aggression Making towards other people's lives a misery a misery yeah so i think this, most tenants are good as well by the way yeah yeah, yeah. Good. yeah most tenants are are yeah. most people in general are good people yeah it's it's the minority um and th- this one i like uh, um ending blanket bans on pets um i've i've got no problem with pets in the house um as long as there is a you know standard agreement, your pet tears up the wall, you replace, you replace it, yeah. or you pay to get it fixed. Yeah, it's not some people say it's, no dogs allowed, no cats or whatever. But as, as, as long as everything is repaired, everything's cleaned, everything, you know, I, I don't see the problem. But under the new proposals, tenants will have the right to request a pet, which landlords cannot unreasonably refuse. Now you're going to get into the conversation of what's reasonable. So, Shaz, what's reasonable? Well, I was talking about that this morning. <laughs> Someone mentioned that particular word, and there's a room of know, 45, 50 people there. Yeah. And define reasonable. Everybody gives you a different answer, pretty much. Really uh, do. And obviously, the law uh, and statute and precedent helps us define uh, what's reasonable, but it's very subjective. One person's reasonable is Another person's very unreasonable. Yeah. So you've got you've got to be careful on that. And my concern with things like that is, whilst I personally don't have a problem with pets, I know a lot of landlords do. And when you word it ambiguously like that, and you use an ambiguous word like unreasonable or reasonable, it opens a lot for interpretation. And I think it should be very clear cut. Either you can or you can't. Either you say landlords can't deny tenants pets, provided that they agree to pay for damages, pay for the, you know, cover the costs of. What if somebody has a dinosaur as a pet? Would that be okay? Is that reasonable? Uh, I think it is. I mean, I used to have a dinosaur as a pet. I had two. What sort of lizards? Uh, one was a T Rex. In fact, both were T-Rex. Both were T-Rexes. Yeah. And yours? Uh, I had... You're a lizard, did you? Okay. I had an iguana. So did my son. He had two, in fact. Um, it was called s- Reginald. Separate times. I don't know what his were he's called, because then he was very young. Yeah, I think he was five when he had his first one. But li- li- lizards are basically dinosaurs, aren't they? Yeah, of course they are. Just baby yeah. dinosaurs. Baby dinosaurs. No, but it depends what kind of pet somebody has as well. I yeah, I, 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 within reason. reason. Hmm. Yeah. But most people usually, it's a cat and a dog. Yeah. Mostly, isn't it? And cat, dog, goldfish. A lizard, goldfish, okay. Uh, yeah. Guinea pig, budgerigar, parrot, that type yeah, of stuff. House rabbit, whatever. Yeah. <coughs> um, yeah, hamster. Interesting, though. I And this, this blew my mind when I found out. Um, I know a tenant who got told they couldn't have their goldfish in their pro- in, in their rented property. And I thought, goldfish? 
Really? Why that? There, there was there was no justifiable reason for it. Um, but yeah, of of all the things to 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 deny a tenant a goldfish as a pet, I mean, it takes it, all sorts to make the world go around here. It really does. Um, and this this next idea, I, I'm really 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 on board with, is creating a digital private rented portal to bring to give together all the key information that you need as a landlord, as a tenant, as a council. Yeah. So everything's all in one place. So you know where to look and it will be really that sort of thing. When everything's all in one place, will be super useful for disputes, for um, information and for just, just passing things on. Um, I, I think that's going to be fantastic. This is all that about making tax digital. I think yeah. we missed the deadline at least twice. <laughs> at least <laughs> twice. Yeah. 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 It is what it is. Um, making it illegal to have blanket bans on renting to tenants in receipt of benefits or with children. So no family is discriminated against while landlords will retain the final say in who they rent to. The aim will be to prevent any discrimination in any way, shape or form. Always and I think thing. that can only be a good thing. Um Sadly, there's another. I've got another two pages of information. Um, I think we've covered enough. But I think we've you, co- we've covered a lot you. there. Yeah, um, if you want more there. information, you know, go online. The the information, all the information that I've just read out, you know, by all means, go online. But it it's, isn't law yet. Uh, none of it's law yeah. yet. These are just, for lack of a better term, ideas. Yeah. But I think politicians need to take a bit more, bit more responsibility, Kieran, uh, and start addressing the real issues. I agree. Right? And if they did, then we wouldn't have these problems. And they can fix these through that particular through, reform. Through fixing uh, the source it cause. somebody a lot of courage say, we're going to fix this once and for all. Yep, and it'll take a like lot a bit, of work. A lot of houses after World War II. Let's do it again. Thanks for listening to Wealth Made Simple. You can follow and contact Shaz on the Facebook pages Entrust Property Tax and The Profits Wizard. You can also find Shaz on LinkedIn, YouTube and Instagram. Alternatively, email him at shaz at aa-accountants.co.uk. Build your wealth by mastering money.